It is Sunday, November 1st. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. The subjects for today are all going to focus on the post-fight press conference from UFC Vegas 12 or UFC on ESPN 39 or 40. One of those two. The uh, Anderson Silva Uriah Hall fight card. We'll just call it that since everything has seven names these days. Um, So I'm going to focus on Dana White, then Bryce Mitchell, and last, Greg Hardy. And here is the show. He keeps saying this is his last fight in the UFC, but, you know, he wouldn't say it's his last fight, period. Uh, You know, what do you know about that? And and does he have any fights remaining on his UFC contract? Yeah, he's got one. And we had a deal. When he signed this contract, we had a deal that this would be his last fight. And you know what? The guys, you know... Let me put it this way. This week he came out and said in an interview, and I I don't know, because I don't trust half these fucking guys in the media and how they set up questions and what they say and everything else, but all I can tell you is what I read and I know what I usually read is fucking bullshit. So let me start here. That that used to be like a family when Lorenzo was here and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And listen, I'll be, we all miss Lorenzo, and uh, I will always admit that Lorenzo was the gentler, kinder side of the UFC. But um, I've done nothing but be good to Anderson Silva, uh, and, and tonight I don't feel good about myself that I let Anderson Silva fight this last fight. Um, you know, we've treated Anderson Silva with nothing but respect, and if you guys knew what Anderson Silva gets paid to fight, you'd shit your fucking pants. Um, so... I think that uh, we've treated him like family. I shouldn't have let him fight this fight tonight. But yet, you know, his chin seems to be gone because he seemed like he fought a pretty good fight, and yet when he got touched on the chin is when... He fought, he fought a guy that has absolutely zero output. They're in a five-round main event on ESPN. They threw 11 punches in the fucking second round. Yeah. You break into the, you know, you, you fight any of these other savages. You know what I mean? Um he'll be in big trouble, and he'll take a shitload of punishment. Uriah Hall threw threw 11 punches in the second round. Uriah Hall is one of the most gun-shy fighters in the UFC. Um, And and look at Anderson. When the fight was over, he couldn't even stand up to do his interview. He had to sit down to do his interview, and and I made a big mistake. I shouldn't have let him fight this fight tonight. But out of respect to him, and, and, you know, he's a legend of this sport, and he's a legend of this company, I did something that I that I disagreed with and and I knew I was right and tonight proved I was right and Anderson Silva should never fight again. Well, there is a lot to unpack there. Starting off with the unnecessary shot at the media for doing an interview with Silva and reporting it and White saying that he doesn't believe the media, which I don't know why this is a thing that he felt forced to mention, but he's mentioning it more and more because I think sometimes the media, like in this case, is not playing as part of the UFC's PR firm, and White probably sees this as a personal affront that Silva went out of his way to say that he liked dealing with Fertitta more than he liked dealing with White, and... This is not something that hasn't been said before. Plenty of fighters said they like dealing with Fertitta 
better than they liked dealing with White. And the reason for that was and is that Petita didn't treat the fighters like, like children. White does what he does here and runs down Anderson Silva and shits on him and then shits on Uriah Hall and this guy's supposed to be a promoter. Instead, he's, he's, he's stepping on the heads of the guys he's supposed to be promoting. And then he wonders why the fighters don't like him. Come on, man. That's why they don't like you. Because you treat him like dirt. And he, and it's not even just behind closed doors. It's it's to the media you allegedly hate. So if the media is so bad, why do you use them to deliver your shitty messages? They're only bad when they when, when the media is only bad when it speaks ill of Dana White. So you can cut that shit out right there. And I don't recall White saying anything about Silva being washed before this fight. And let's not forget, this is the same Dana White who allowed BJ Penn how many different last fights for the UFC? More than one. More than one. And Penn took an absolute shellacking in his last few fights. Silva might be slower and might be chinny, but you can't compare Silva in his last few fights with BJ Penn in his last few fights. He just can't. But... I mean, I don't, I don't like seeing Silva fight, but I don't think he's someone that I would be afraid to let fight. Penn, Penn was a different story. He was just not, not there. But Silva, I mean, I'm not, I'll, I won't, like I said, I don't like it, but I wouldn't be afraid to have him fight. And I think a athletic commission would approve Silva to fight because yeah, he's getting knocked out, but. He's not getting blown out so badly that the athletic commission would prevent him from earning a living if the matchmaking was right. I mean, for White to think that that would happen. No, because he's he's booked fights that were incredibly one-sided and, and didn't say anything about the commission then. So again, come on now. Another thing White said that is funny if you look into it which whenever Dana White talks, I believe you should look into it. Uh, he said that you would, we would shit our fucking pants if we found out how much Anderson Silva made. So here's a little glimpse into what Anderson Silva made. His second fight with Chael Sonnen, he made 200000 flat. His two fights with Chris Weidman, he made six hundred flat in each of those. UFC 200 is the most recent disclosed pay for Silva. He's fought four times since then. And I think he won one. He was paid six hundred thousand for for UFC two hundred flat. So at most, with one win thrown in there, at most seven hundred fifty thousand, and and that's supposed to be an impressive number for a guy who had a has the longest winning streak in UFC history, and a guy who held the middleweight title longer than anyone else. You're going to try and convince me that he's not worth $750,000? Come on. Anderson Silva has been underpaid his entire career. Don't try and make anyone believe that just because he's losing now that we're supposed to be all up in arms that he's making, maybe making seven hundred fifty, Maybe. This, and this is why I think it comes down to why White doesn't want him to fight anymore. Because he doesn't want to pay him. He doesn't want to pay him. Remember, this is the guy who cut John Fitch because he was too fucking expensive. And with, with 
the ownership group in uh, in some financial straits, not paying Anderson Silva will be good for them. So that's another thing. You don't rip off your family members unless you're a real dirtbag. So maybe in that way, White and the UFC treated Silva-like family by taking advantage of him and ripping him off. But in a big picture, no. And I think the final thing here, final two things is, the 11 punches thrown in the second round, I know that was uh, supposed to be an exaggeration, but I think it was at least, but there were 54 punches thrown in the second round. And this again, as the same with the uh, bringing up the pay, White is bringing all these things up for, I believe, one simple reason, to run Silva down and to make him less attractive for another promotion to sign him. That's, I think, what it all comes down to. Because White knows that if Silva fights for someone else, fans are going to watch that, especially if they can get that fight in Brazil. White doesn't want that. So, again, is that how you treat your family? By running them down in the, in the press and, and, and making them look bad and trying to make them look like they were just totally out of their element? I mean, some people might. I guess Dana White is one of those people, which shouldn't surprise anyone, actually. Now on to a, another section. Uh, earlier this week, it came out that you spoke with Habib Nurmagomedov. You said, you know, it sounds like, you know, he will go for number 30. I was just wondering if you could elaborate on just, you know, how the conversation went and the impression you got about his future. Well, you know, he, he didn't say that he'll fight at, you know, whatever, but he didn't say no. He's, he's, he's considering the 30, you know, his father wanted it. And I think that he was, uh, you know, super emotional, had the mumps, measles or whatever, broken toe, trained on a stationary bike for that fight and then came in and fought. And I think that, you know, he was super emotional. So it's, he's still the champ. There's no vacant title of open right now or no interim title happening. Um, he's the champ and, and, you know, we'll give him some time to figure out what he wants to do. On October 29th, The Sun reported a story that RT Sport had an interview with Habib and this is what he said and this translation is from RT of course Dana wants me to continue fighting and generate revenue I can make money myself I'm at the peak of my career and can fight for very large purses but I made this decision I think this is the best time not everyone can retire at their peak but I know that in a year two or five I'd have to face that decision again I did enough in the sport to be considered the best. Today I was ranked as the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter, so the mission is accomplished. What else is there to do? Make money? I'll always be able to do that. That doesn't sound like a guy who's pondering coming back. That sounds like a guy who knows his value and knows that White wants to exploit him for that value. That's what that sounds like. So White obviously wants Nurmagomedov to come back. Nurmagomedov knows he does not need Dana White's money, at least not if he stays in his home country, which I believe he will. He is set up for 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 life, most likely. And so he doesn't need to fight. And from what he said at the after the fight, he doesn't want to fight. And I never got the feeling that he was in love with fighting. It was it wasn't as bad a case as the Diaz brothers. I think he was in love with competition and a lot of that had to do with his father 
So I think things have changed and priorities have changed. And so if White keeps harping on this and keeps bothering Nurmagomedov to come back, that's not a good look. You know, White should wait. If Nurmagomedov wants to come back, let him come back on his terms. Let him go to Dana White. Let Dana White bothering this guy is, is selfish. But again, of course it's selfish because Dana White wants to make money off of him. And I, I, I don't think he'll come back. I don't think he wants to come back. But I don't know. White and Nurmagomedov's manager, Ali Abdelaziz, probably both want him to come back. And both for the same reason. Money. So hopefully this dies out as fast as possible. And Nurmagomedov makes it clear that he does not want to fight again. The problem now becomes, if he's still the champion, how long do you hold that title up? Do you wait a year? Do you wait six months? What do you do? So that's the question. I, if it's me, I ask him if he's coming back to make 100% sure. If the answer is no, the title becomes vacant. Nurmagomedov comes back. You give him, you give him a title fight right away. But to hold the division up for someone just because you hope they come back is silly. And again, like most of these things that I've been talking about, it's a Dana White move. Israel Adesanya was uh, in attendance today yeah. and he was tweeting out Champ Squared. Uh, Champs what? Champ Squared, like Champ 2. Uh, is he fighting Jan Blakovich next? Yeah. He is? Yeah. I wanted, listen, when the fight was over, um, on Fight Island, the last fight, I was like, I'm going to have to sit down with this kid and convince him on why he needs to fight Whitaker. <laughs> and uh, Whitaker comes out and says he doesn't want to fight him. Craziest shit I've ever seen. So, yeah, there's no arguing with Israel now. I thought Whitaker deserved the shot, and uh, Whitaker doesn't want it, so yeah, we'll let him do it. Surprise, Robert Whitaker does want the fight. I know that's going to shock you. But here's what Whitaker had to say to ESPN on stories from October 28th. It's the fight that makes sense. I know Adesanya doesn't want it, but I do, and I think it'll be fun. I think he's a puzzle that I just want to work at, and I want to try and beat. I don't know how I'll do it because he's so good, man. He's so bloody good. And it may be a repeat of what happened last time, but God, I want to try, mate. He's the only guy that I want to fight because I lost to him, and I don't like losing to people. What part of that does Whitaker say he doesn't want to fight Adesanya? No part of that. But a double champion fight makes more money than a rematch. Especially a one-sided rematch. And so, words get twisted. Whitaker gets dumped on. Whitaker gets passed by after he clearly states he wants to fight. And White tries to act like this never happened. So again, come on, man. In closing, I want to mention something else that I missed on the earlier part here of White's conversation. He needs to either release Anderson Silva or give him a fight. The promoter cannot hold up this man. Can't. He can't stop him from fighting. And if it results in a lawsuit, it results in a lawsuit and Silva will probably win that. So either UFC pays Silva to retire UFC gives him another fight in the UFC and then doesn't re-sign him or UFC releases him from his contract. One of those three things happens to happen and the fight offer in the UFC 
the release of the contract, those have to happen within a certain amount of time. And it's not a long time. If you have to offer him four fights in a year, I assume every three months you have to offer him a fight. If you don't, then you have to pay him or release him. So if either way, I think they could tie him up for you. Well, they can. Contractually, they can tie him up for longer and say he's a free agent, but we're going to reserve our right to match, fully knowing that they won't match. But then they, the other promotion that offers him a deal is going to have to sit and wait until the matching period passes to sign him. So the UFC can screw Silva up here a little bit. Will they do that? It's hard to tell. I wouldn't put it past them. But if they have, if White and the UFC has no intention of letting Silva fight again within the, under the UFC banner, then do what you say. Treat him like family and let him go work somewhere else. If not, you're just full of shit. Next topic we're going to cover is Bryce Mitchell's speech at the end of his post-fight press conference. Okay, thank you. Uh, are y'all taking any, any uh, can I say stuff right now or does it go anywhere? Yeah. Well, I have, this is the only time that I have a platform to say something. <clears throat> and I've had something on my mind. It's affected me and a lot of people that I love. And I'm going to take a lot of criticism for saying what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyways because I feel it needs to be said. Um, I was driving by elementary school the other day and I seen all these kids outside, they're trying to play on the playground, they're trying to run around, they're trying to swing on the monkey bars, go down a slide and wrestle and, and play tag, and they all got masks on. And I see them out there, some of them taking their mask off so they can breathe fresh air. They get fresh air in their lungs when they take the mask off. And then you got a teacher walking around pointing at them saying, oh, put your mask on, put your mask on, put your mask on. And that makes me sick that these kids can't get fresh air and they're eight hours a day, they're sitting six feet apart from each other and they can't, they can't breathe fresh air. I don't agree with that. And I just want to tell Asa Hutchinson, I think you need to have a little bit of backbone because we did not vote for none of that. There was no vote that said we want our kids in masks, we want to wear masks, we want our businesses shut down, we want our restaurants at half capacity, we want our gyms at half capacity. And I just don't know who he thinks he is telling us that we have to shut down our businesses or shut our businesses to half capacity without a vote. There was no vote. And if he, likes, if he likes shutting down people's businesses and he likes telling people what to do, he can go to California because they'll love him over there. That's, that's what they do over there. The government's all up in people's business over there, and we don't want to live like that. And I'm just asking to get our freedoms back, and I don't think that's much to ask for. I'm, what I'm saying is make the mask optional in Arkansas. When, for people who own restaurants and people who own businesses. Make it optional. Why tell somebody they have to wear a mask? What if they don't want to? Or what if it affects their breathing negatively and gives them headaches? You know? Uh, and here's another theory I got. If your mask works so well, why are you worried about if I'm wearing one? Don't you got one on? Why does it matter? If they work so good, why are you worried if I got one? You wear one and you worry about you. Okay? And if you think you're going sick, stay home. If you think you're going to get sick, stay home. That's all, I, that's all I'm saying. And, and, and I think that taking away our liberties and taking away our freedoms without a vote, I don't think that's the right answer. And uh, there's going to be a lot of criticism and a lot of people attacking me for saying that. And they're going to say I'm a dumb MMA fighter and I got no sense sharing my opinion. But you know what? I pay my taxes. 
So you're going to tell me you can take that money out my pocket, tens and thousands of dollars out my pocket that I fought for, and you're going to take it out my pocket and then discredit my opinions and say I don't have an opinion? No, I do have an opinion, and it does matter. And if you put it on the vote, I guarantee you more people in Arkansas agree with me than they do masks for everybody. All I'm saying is make it optional. Let the people have a choice. There's single moms that are waitresses, okay? And you're putting, they got kids, okay? They got kids to feed. They're moms that are waitresses, okay? No dads. And the restaurants are at half capacity. That's half their paycheck. You're affecting people's lives, Asa Hutchinson. Open up our restaurants to full capacity. Open up our gyms to full capacity, or at least give us a vote. But personally, I like the government the hell out of my life. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's going to be people criticizing me. But uh, I feel that needed to be said. And uh, I like breathing in fresh air. And if kids, if kids' parents want them to wear a mask, that's fine. But don't tell everybody that they have to wear a mask just because you want to. You know, more people die in car wrecks than the corona in Arkansas. In Arkansas, it claims to have killed 270 people. The CDC claims 270 people have died of corona. Way more people die in car wrecks, but the interstates ain't shut down. How come you ain't shut down the interstates, Asa? Okay? Let us drive at our own risk. Let us go to Walmart at our own risk. Let us do stuff at our own risk. That's all that I'm saying, and I don't think that that's too much to ask for. You know, so... Say what you want about me, but uh, I had to say that. And uh, this is the only platform I have to say any stuff like that. And uh, there's a lot of people that I love that this is affecting negatively. It's affecting their businesses. It's taking money out of their pockets. So I can't sit here and have this platform and say nothing. So I had to say something. And I appreciate y'all for giving me the platform to say something. Thank you. All right, so first... I'm hoping it was someone in Bryce Mitchell's camp that was clapping at the end of that and not someone from the media because there was no reason to clap for that. Um, Mitchell has every right to say whatever he wants. However, he doesn't have a right to, well, I guess he does, but he should be responsible enough to not spread misinformation. And I'll cover some of that misinformation um, when I speak on this a little more, but... I, first of all, I found it weird that the questions were done and that he voluntarily spoke about this, that he felt that he had to get this off his chest, knowing that he was going to get criticized. And he's not going to get criticized for saying what he's, for, for, for making a stand and making statements about stuff that he's passionate about. However, when you're wrong, and you're anti-science, and your concern is yourself more than society, well then, I take umbrage with that, and others should as well. Because it's not about you. It's not about one person. It's not about one person's business. It's about everyone, and everyone is being affected. But if you put business over lives, I have a problem with that. And this is all Mitchell was saying. And this is the exact reason there wasn't and won't be a vote on this. Because there can't be. Because if you vote on it and people vote no and then they, they lose or they win, 
then you're going to have people out there who refuse to wear masks. They're already doing it and they're supposed to be doing it. And this is why New Zealand is operating with zero active cases. And this is why New Zealand has gotten back to a normal way of life. They can go out, they can have, in Mitchell's case, restaurants at 100%. And also in Mitchell's case, fight cards with people in attendance. And also in Mitchell's case, schools where kids don't have to wear masks. See, all these things can be achieved if you take some momentary inconvenience to get back to normal. But no, no, no. You don't want to do it because it gives you a headache. I really don't care if you get a headache. Would you rather have a headache or would you rather have your mother, father, or grandparents die? A headache's not death. But this is the uh, this is the world we live in. You 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 want freedom, quote unquote freedom. But you don't want to be responsible. Two things go together. Two things go together. So it's stunning to me that this kind of simple simple minded take on things is something that we have to deal with. I don't I don't understand it. We don't have a vote on this because it's the betterment of society depends on people wearing masks. You don't get a choice. You have, and when you're forced to think, when you're forced by a governor or, or the, the government to care about people in your community, in society as a, as a whole, you're a pretty shitty person. I mean, I'm, I'm not the best person. I'll admit that. I'm vindictive and I hold grudges for a long while. But I'm not going to not wear a mask just because I don't want to. No one wants to wear a mask. No one wants to wear a mask. It's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. But I think about society when I go outside. I think about my neighbor. I think about the person in the grocery store. And... If I can help them not get ill, I'm going to do so. And that, that's what bothers me about this. That's one of the things that bothers me about this. I don't care that... I mean, I do care that restaurants are at half capacity. But if you don't wear masks, it's going to go back to zero capacity. So is it better to make some money? Or is it better to make no money? Is it better for those single moms to make some money... And be healthy or make no money and be sick and possibly leave their children without a parent. But no, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's your right to not wear a mask. That's bullshit. It's bullshit. And it's selfish and it's stupid and it's anti-science. It's just dumb. And that's, that's what offends me about this, all these statements that were made here. Not that they were offensive in and of themselves but that they were anti-science and they were also misinformation to claim that 270 people died is untrue i looked this up on the cdc which mitchell said this is where his 270 deaths claims of deaths came from so here's the information the cases of covid19 in arkansas in the last seven days are 6,872. The total confirmed cases in Arkansas 
according to the Arkansas Department of Health, is 104,239. And the total deaths, remember, Mitchell said the CDC claims 270 are 1,958. Not 270, 1,958, and that's from the Arkansas Department of Health. That is 31 more than yesterday. So 31 in a day. So I don't know where Mitchell's getting his information from, but it sounds like out of his ass. I would hope that some, if people had reported that 270 will add context to their stories. And I'm sure Bryce Mitchell isn't the only one that thinks this way in the MMA community. But people need to be a little less, a little less selfish, read a little more, do a little more studying, and think about society instead of themselves, and not just for the short term, for the long term, before they start blathering on about getting a headache or having a choice to make other people sick. So that's all I have to say. It was just, it irritated me enough that I needed to to, uh, to talk about it. So Bryce Mitchell feels passionate about this. So do I. And I feel that he's wrong for ignoring science. And now on to Greg Hardy. Is uh, the people you're referring to, is this related to the past controversy that's always linked to you? Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of past stuff, you know what I mean? Just coming back, like I said, trying to, um, trying to prey on me, man. You know, you guys know me by now. I would have jumped off a building, did some crazy T.O. stuff if I was that guy you always talking about. I'm not. Never will be. I'm a good guy. been a good guy. Innocent man. Always have been. And when people come back and they try to pray and take advantage of somebody that's, you know, coming back and redeeming and regaining, kind of, you know, messes with my head, you know, and especially because they sprung it on me, literally, you know, right in the middle of me going to fight for my life. It was just, it kind of messed with me, so... Let me start off by saying that the questions here are not exactly hard-hitting, and I'm very disappointed in the way a lot of them are phrased. I'm also disappointed that they are set up in a way that seems very public relations-focused. The media members that ask the questions seem to be setting... Greg Hardy up as a as so he can make himself the victim which is what the UFC wants from the MMA media for sure and that's what they're getting here there are questions that are like I said designed I don't know why maybe it's accidental but they're 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 allowing Hardy to paint himself as the victim and the first thing I didn't like about the questions was the the part where it was the the past controversies controversies that you that are linked to you. We know the past controversies, and it's not a controversy, and it should be called what it is, which is an arrest for domestic violence, found guilty of domestic violence by a judge, two counts. I think one count was domestic violence. They, they were violence-related. And then his record was later expunged when the woman 
uh, stopped cooperating with the authorities. So that's not a controversy. Those are the facts. Call it what it is. So I didn't like that. Um, the thing I, other thing I, saw, I noticed is that Hardy tries to act friendly with the MMA media, MMA media by saying, you guys know me, but we don't know him. We don't. We know what he presents to us. We know what he says, but we don't know Greg Hardy. We're not going to know Greg Hardy. And we shouldn't really get to know Greg Hardy because then you get these, these type of sympathetic questions and allowing him to paint himself, like I said, as the victim, which he is definitely not. So why is this bothersome to me? Well, it starts with Hardy saying that he is an innocent man and always has been, and he's a good person. I don't know if he's a good person. I don't think he's a good person. Everything I've seen, and I've read the police reports, and I've seen the pictures, don't make me believe he's a good person. The fact that he claims he's innocent when he was found guilty, and then the, the case was dropped because of no cooperation from the, from the, the woman, that's not innocent. That's the case getting dropped because she wasn't cooperating. That's a giant gap between those two things. And again, found guilty by a judge, later dropped on appeal because of no cooperation. And there's rumors, and I don't know if they're true, and, and that there was a payoff involved. I don't know that. Can't confirm that, but you hear about it often. And either way, it's not unheard of for victims or survivors of domestic abuse to stop cooperating with the authorities. It's not rare at all. And another thing that I didn't like here was he says he's redeeming himself, but he's not. How is he redeeming himself? He went to the only place that would give him a job, and that was the UFC. No NFL team would touch him. None. And that says a lot. And I don't think people take that into account. The NFL has never been a league that's afraid to take on quote-unquote difficult people if they can help the team win. The fact that not one team would take that chance on Hardy says a lot. And I think that needs to be thought about. And Dana White took that chance because he saw someone he can make money off of. Pretty shitty, but... We know it. At least we know that's the reason. So there's no redemption here. He shouldn't be in a violent sport. He shouldn't make a living doing violence after being accused of doing violence and found guilty of doing violence. The other thing that bothered me here again, and I'll go by which I was getting to, is that he said he was redeeming himself. But how? How? He hasn't acknowledged what he did, what he was found guilty of. He hasn't apologized in public for doing what he has done accused of being accused of doing and he while he was playing football made jokes about it which got him in deep shit with the Cowboys who did take a chance on him so there's no redemption here this is a guy who feels that he's innocent that he did nothing wrong when we have police reports statements photos that say otherwise. That at some point you felt that was behind you. 
So how hard is it to know that they can just apparently pop up and bring it back and bring it back to the headlines whenever they feel like it? You know, that's been my situation since the since day one, bro. I've been an overachiever. I've been an accomplisher. I am the guy that consistently and constantly succeeds. Not in an easy place. I put myself in a very complicated and hard place repeatedly over and over again because I am better. I am doing more. Because I have a family to feed just like everybody else. You know what I mean? And uh, since day one, being that guy, you know, people see that as an opportunity to attack me. I'm not, a, I'm not a super educated guy. I don't have a wealthy family that I come from that I can call upon for advice. I don't know much about lawyers. You know, I've had my best friends sue me, try to put me in situations and extort me for money and all the way down the line because they can, you know, because the world is painting me as this guy and everybody wants to see me down, but knows nothing about it. And please go check out my page and everybody else's page for, the, for real details, you know, to go find out who I am and, and how it goes down. Yeah, I saw the Instagram you post, you, you sort of sharing your side of the story. What, yeah. is, what, what made you put that out? Because so far it feels like you've been reluctant to talk about it too much. Because it's the truth. That's why I put it out. Unlike, uh, and this is, this is something you guys would love to hear about, unlike guys that do this right here, all I posted was evidence. Other people's words. Never my own, because you would never believe me. And that was the problem, you know. Um, the, uh, the hate against me was so loud that you would have never believed me. You would have never, nobody would ever believe. I've been telling you the same thing, literally from day one. From the very beginning, I've said the same exact thing. So now it's just a time to where I'm in a place that I've brought myself back, my family safe, you know, I, uh, from being targeted. I think this is the part that irritated me the most. And this is where it really gets set up for Hardy to make himself a victim. By, the, by phrasing the question as you thought that at some point this would be behind you or something like, to that effect it's not going to be behind him and it shouldn't be behind him and it should be brought up because again he has not apologized or acknowledged it and i'll get into this a bit here but the post he made leaves an important part out um, so this is the this is really frustrating to me to hear that these questions phrased that way and then of course hardy does just that paints himself as a victim that needs to be ignored because he is not a victim here. If he's a victim of anything, it's his, it's that he's a victim of the decisions he'd made that night that he was charged. That's the only thing a vic he's a victim of. He made a choice. He didn't make a mistake. He made a choice. And there's a, there's a difference between a mistake and a choice. A mistake, you put something in your grocery cart, it slipped underneath something else, and you forgot to pay for it. That's a mistake. Punching someone, being found guilty of assault, that's a choice. You made a choice to put your hands on someone. So it's not a mistake. So what he said is that the real details is what he posted on Instagram. He posted some details from the, from the court case. And the officer that is quoted in that Instagram story, yeah, he was one of the officers that was investigating it. But if you read the police report, which I have this part, I found this part in the police report. The officer that is quoted in that Instagram story did not investigate the room because that officer in the Instagram story stayed with, the, I believe, the victim on the street and two other officers investigated the room. So to leave out the part where if those people are, were questioned in the court case is a huge gap. And again, 
yeah, that's a real detail from the case, but it leaves out the more important fact that two officers did go to the room, did make notes. That part isn't in Hardy's real details. Be careful. Read the police reports. Read the documents. Don't read someone's Instagram about their court case. Because odds are, they're going to leave some parts out. Probably the parts that make them look guilty. Do you think there's something, and last thing for me, do you think there's something to be said that people should perhaps learn in society that there is a thing as due process and there is a thing as being judged in the court of public opinion, which isn't necessarily fair? It is not, especially if you want your chance to, because everybody wants to be judged in the court of law by uh, a jury of their peers and have their chance, and I didn't get that. I got executed by Instagram. You know, I'm an innocent man that was never proven guilty, never called guilty, never anything, never, not even close. And I was executed in the public. And uh, it took away all the opportunities for me to go chase my dreams, the thing that I worked two decades for, my yellow jacket in the NFL. Again, this is another question that is designed to make Hardy be a victim. He's not a victim. He was given due process. He did go to a court of law. He was found guilty by a judge. This was all before he was judged by the, in the court of public opinion. This happened in a courtroom, was found guilty by a judge of two counts. They were later expunged when the woman stopped cooperating with authorities. That's the truth. That's the truth. What Hardy's selling here is a fantasy. It's a fairy tale. He was found guilty. He got his day in court. Found guilty. It's as simple as that. To let him carry on this way as if this never happened is, is terrible reporting. And it's just what Hardy wants and it's just what the UFC wants. And it can't and shouldn't continue. How do you push past that mentally right before a fight? I mean, I know, was it something that partially, I know your team is very, very close. Is it some of the words from them? Is it something in the inner strength? How do you push past that hours before going in what is already something very challenging for somebody, for anybody to go in there and do, but to, to push and, and face this? How do you get past that? Uh, positivity, brother. I've been doing it for six, seven, eight years. It's, it's very hard, you know, and... So I'm going to go on record and say, y'all have seen it. I've stayed positive. I've tried to be the best human I can be. Like my mom's taught, excuse me. My mom taught me how to be a good human being, man. And I've just been trying to do that. I've been trying to set examples for my kids and just keep it in mind. Like, you know, I'm setting that example for kids coming up. Like, uh, and uh, I got a fabulous agent, bro. I got a fabulous coach. I got, I, got, I got a fabulous team, man. They just, they, 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 they lift me up. They keep me focused. And I keep an iron will, man. Because, you know, if I quit, my kids don't eat. This is starting to feel like a Greg Hardy fan club instead of an MMA media group. It's just awful with this. How does Hardy push through? How does... I don't get this. I don't really care how Greg Hardy pushes through. I'd rather have him apologize and acknowledge what he did and ask him how he pushed through 
How did the woman he was found guilty of assaulting push through? How did that happen? It's like everyone in the media here is buying into Hardy's narrative instead of going back, reading what happened, reading the police reports, and going through those and seeing this guy that's claiming he's a good guy, not a good guy, not a good guy. But this is what we get from MMA access journalism. I don't like it. I hope, I implore MMA media folks to listen to this interview with Greg Hardy and how the questions were asked and what was asked and don't don't do this it's don't provide someone to an opportunity to dig themselves out of a hole with questions that are leading them down the direction that they want you to go that's exactly what happened here and you provided Greg Hardy with a storyline of redemption when he has done nothing on his own to redeem himself. This was a bad interview with, with Hardy, and I hope the MMA media gets better, uh, f learns a lesson from this, and doesn't play these kinds of games going going forward because it, was, uh, it wasn't a good look. It was not a good look. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for sticking with us if you did. I hope you did because uh, I covered a lot of ground and I think all of it was pretty important. And I will be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe. <laughs>